Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to a new rendition of a piece of the Brethren podcast that we are going to dub just a slice. Um, so just a little backstory on it. We just created this not too long ago, but it is for those times where, you know, some of us and maybe not all of us will be able to speak our mind. And if you've been listening to the Bridger podcast for a while, you know, AKA since the beginning, we used to have uh, what we called the after show. So we would record a full episode. And then by that time, uh, myself, Dr. Loving and Mr. Wales have had, a, uh, you know, several sips of several drinks. And so by that time, the, 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 the meter was up on decorum. So we would roll straight into the after show where words would fly and uh you know we 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 had fun um and i missed mm-hmm. that true so so you know i think we're gonna try to kind of you know gradually reintroduce that segment back into society but we're gonna do it under the guise of just a slice so i today i got dr loving with me dr loving phd cfp is with me mr wells is on travel so we're gonna get into just a slice um and today we're going to just chop it up a little bit about income inequality and how business businesses can address it. So I told you, Doc, right mm-hmm. before we started what, what we were going to talk about. We had a whole amazing conversation before this that we probably going to have to at some point bring back. And this may be the <laughs> forum for it. It may be the perfect forum for it. Um, but when I, you know, just throwing that out there right quick, income inequality um, mm-hmm. and how business can address it. What What comes to your mind immediately? All right. So there are several different ways that you can look at income inequality. Right. Um, I think most of the time, at least when black folks talk about it, the first thing that we jumps into our mind is racial income inequality. Um, and, and that and, and the issues and the historical impact that has led to some of the inequity that we see in the workplace in terms of black people making less per hour or per year. Um, even in similarly uh, qualified positions with uh, similar types of roles, those individuals make less. Okay, so there, there's an issue there. Then you have gender income inequality that exists and it has been quite persistent, um, that, that gap between men and women who have similar skills, similar position, but are paid differently. When you look at businesses as a part of it, um, I think that what's started to improve is businesses recognizing that individuals make up the business. People are more important than things, just like anything else. So you have policies that would suggest that, hey, everybody makes the same for the same job. And then if you happen to be really great at it, you get raises and promoted more quickly. But, you know, we have this sort of meritorious uh, veil that we tend to place over the workplace. Like, oh, okay, well, what's going to make you succeed is the fact that you're good at your job. And if you're good at your job, then you're going to get paid more regardless of your background, right? You're going to get the opportunities you should get. You're going to get the promotions you should get. You're going to get the recognition you should get without understanding sometimes that people in their perceptions of things that have happened or um, achievements in general might not be perceived equally by other people looking from the outside and maybe not by, you know, people for, who are the higher ups. And, you know, those opportunities that come might not come completely based upon what it is that you do at work. A lot of it is based on the perception of what you do at work. And that perception is tied to your identity. So if you're a woman, or if you're black, you know, people may perceive the value of what you've done differently based on who you are. And so these are things that businesses can start to be better at sussing out by being intentional about what it is they're doing. They can be data driven in their approach when it comes to human, uh, human resources and how they pay people. And I think that's important because at the end of the day, typically, The person who's a hiring manager has a level of discretion over how much they pay a person. Even things like self-worth can come into there because there are people who will accept the first offer that a business gives them for a job. 
Mm. Right, they're happy to have the job. You hear, you've heard about that's, no, that, Trump, that, right? but that 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 in itself is a is a is a is a whole nother conversation of that's right. Um, especially, I think for uh, you know the black community is we you know we kind of have always taken what they've given us, and now lately, as of late, especially, you know, people are challenging the norms across all borders, mm-hmm. and that's one of them. Where it's like you know. The, you know, most of the most of the most of the folks coming out of college now, they go into these companies like, no, nah, this is what I want. And if you're not, mm-hmm. then I'm going to move. And then, you know, I'm coming to you for a year. And after a year, if you're not going to bump me up or, you know, give me a promotion with a raise, I'm going to bounce to another company. Whereas, you know, most of the generation of, you know, right before us and, and you and, and it, our parents and grandparents were like, you get, get yourself a good paying job, get you a pension, retirement fund. Right. You stay there. Yeah. Do your 30, 40 years and you go sit down, you know, get your, get your, get your social security check. And it's like, no, nah, that ain't that ain't the way of the world. Now you gonna come in, you gonna like, no, nah, I'm I'm demanding six figures straight out of college, and I'm gonna give y'all about a year or two, and then I might retire by the time I'm thirty or something. Now, so I think that conversation itself is just being able to challenge, um, mm-hmm. challenge the income inequality on an individual level is leaps and bounds from where you know from whenceforth we have come because you know. Our parents and grandparents definitely probably wasn't even doing that. You know, they, they you yeah. know, every now and again, you get somebody humbly asking, like, hey, you know, you know, I've been here for, you know, 20 years and I'm just, right. you know, I see <laughs> that, I see that, I see that supervisor position is open, uh, Mr. Jones. So, you know, I, I you know, I'm, I'm, I want to put it, you, no, you ain't doing that. But now it's like, hey, I see that position open and if y'all ain't giving it to me, I'm out the door. And matter well, of fact, Y'all coming in offering me sixty. I need eighty, or else I don't want. I don't want. I don't want this job from y'all. Well, I think people have. You know, we we think about the things that technology has done to revolutionize business and opportunities within the business space. I think sometimes we don't discuss what it's done within the worker economy in terms of the uh, flexibility now of labor. There are more remote options now than ever before, and a lot of it in part brought, you know, brought about by, by COVID and new expectations and then basically a new revamping of the workplace where you can be physically not present at work and be you know, productive at the same and in some cases increase more. levels. Research yeah. is showing that people tend to be even more productive in these flexible work arrangements, right? Yep. I think business itself is starting to become more cutting edge in terms of what it is that they're doing to understand the way in which they make money. So McKinsey started a study in 2015. This is a, a global consulting firm where they looked at the impact of diversity uh, within the arenas of both gender and ethnicity. And they did this study worldwide. And what they found was there's a positive relationship between diversity on your boards and decision-making and powerful positions and the likelihood of having top quartile performance. And there's also a positive relationship between a lack of diversity and being in the neg- in the last quartile in terms of performance. And that's a statistically significant relationship that they found. And so what that means is diversity by virtue of the fact that better decisions are being made, the company's image is improved, people want to work there, the customers' um, thoughts about the companies tend to be better, as well as the fact that, you know, people who have diversity tend to make fewer big screw ups. I think we can all look at things that have happened in terms of like, you know, Gucci releasing the shoes that look like blackface or little boy from the, I think it was H&M or another company where they did apparel. And it was like, you know, every, every, every little monkey in the jungle. At this point, every major designer has, has done it at this point. Like literally, as of 2023, every single one of them has done something. Every, every single one of them has put a monkey on some clothes, Blackface on some every from Gucci to Prada to D, all of them have done it right. in some shape or form as of now. So if you pick one, is and I think, fun. and I think every black person who sees something like that already immediately knows. Now you know if it was a black person in the room that that felt empowered to say something, mm-hmm. somebody would have said something about that. You know, nobody black was on empowered to say. But then also yeah. on the flip side of that is 
most of these companies that have had these, if you want to be politically correct and 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 docile and say it was a misstep, but I'm gonna say if you were one of these companies and you fucked it up like they did, all of them, if most most of them, if not all of them, brought in a black woman to help yeah. them out of this situation. Either of they brought her, brought them in as you know part of the board, you know, no. uh, CEO, CEO or another C-level uh, officer or as a, a PR right. handler, Olivia no. Pope type. We need, I was just about to say, <laughs> yeah. Olivia, we they need Olivia it. Pope. Matter of fact, I can't, there's a, the actual lady that she's kind of based off of, I, I want to, uh, I, I find it. But yeah, the actual lady that she, person, that the, yeah. the character was based off of, I want to say she was brought in by one of these companies in the uh, in the late two thousands. Jesus, the late two thousands. What the hell? That shit yeah. doesn't even sound right. It's just, twenty geez. years ago. That was no, 20, 10, 10, <laughs> 10 years ago for the late ones. Ten Damn years it. ago for the late ones, but still man. decade, man. Yeah. Right. But mm-hmm. um, I think I think I think you brought up a good point of just you know having people in the room that are empowered to be yeah. able to say like, hey, I don't. I don't like that. That ain't gonna fly. Um, yeah. but also not even being empowered, but being in power to actually affect the decision of it happening. Because it's one thing to just be in the room and say, Hey, I don't like it. And then when the shit happens anyway, now you tell everybody, Well, look, hey, I was in the room, but I couldn't, I ain't got no pool. Being in the room and having the pool to say, Hey, this ain't it, income inequality. Well, we have the, like you said, the technology is that we got glassdoor.com, salary.com, and all of these uh, resources and forms where you can go tell somebody, hey, I've worked for this company for this many years, or I work, you know, for this, and this is how much I got paid for this position, and these are my credentials. And now you can go into these rooms and these meetings and be prepared to combat the income inequality, whether you know it's there or not, because you may not even know it's in, in equal. Until, because I know a lot, you know, and like mm-hmm. back back again, our parents and our grandparents are coming from a, 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 a space where you don't talk about your salaries at work. Why? You find out now because the company was paying everybody different and they didn't want you to know. And well, the, see, only times have- it came, the only time it came to light was when Joe was talking to Larry and Larry was like, yeah, man, he screwed me on my check. Be like, what they do, man? Man, I was supposed to get an extra 300. Be like, well, where you getting 300 from? Hold on, because we're doing the same thing. Yeah. And now and now you find it out because now there's a transparency that was never meant to be. And that's what the Internet and technology is doing, is creating transparency. There's all sorts of sites out there that will tell you your worth in the marketplace, introduce you to jobs. Heck, send jobs to you as notifications, mm-hmm. right? And so companies recognize there's increased cost to, to uh, getting and retaining labor. Right. They also are recognizing based on the top consulting firm in the world saying there's benefits to diversity in terms of uh, gender as well as ethnicity. So they're trying now to start to put things in a place where, okay, because when it comes down to the money, the companies are going to do what's necessary to get that cutting edge. Mm -hmm. Right. And so if they see the diversity works and that's, I think, one of the things when we talk about what business can do is really examine your market, examine your team and see if there are gaps that could be fixed by having um, some people, having some people who have diversity of thought and action and what it is that they're doing, right? Those things increase the likelihood of you being more successful in businesses, especially because they operate in an environment of competition, are always trying to get a leg up one, on one another. So, The fact that there is value in these types of diversity is incentive for the companies to start moving differently. And many of them are starting to move differently. And what you're finding is that among the ones that have the the biggest bent towards success, they tend to be the ones that are pushing these things further and further to make sure that they get the maximum amount of benefit that they can from all of these elements. And so I think from the individual side, recognizing that there are more opportunities out there, there are more places to find out about opportunities, then it becomes your responsibility to have a better understanding of your worth and your value 
to a company. And those things are, you know, far more easily tested in the market that we have now where people can move around. You know, you used to, if you had a job for less than two years, and it then we, it would be resume. looking for another job. Exactly. Yeah, right? You were, you were a People flight risk, like, basically, to a business like, oh, well, you, you ain't going to be here long enough. We don't right. need and Exactly. But that's not how it works now. Companies recognize that most people's tenure at a company isn't necessarily going to be long. They're looking at what your skill set is. It's like, it is it's like done, now, now, it's looked up, now it's kind of looked at like you just racking up stripes like, oh, you know. You've worked for four Fortune 500 companies in five years, whereas back then it's like it was a red flag. Like, so what did you do? What happened? Why was you moving so much? Yeah, but most of the time when people are moving now, they're able to move and take in a a position in a company that represents movement forward from where they were. So you see a a person who is switching jobs is, oh, this person is just determined to progress in the field. Right. Nobody has loyalty to a company because companies no longer have demonstrable loyalty to employees. True that. Right. And that's the thing that you don't see, it, it, you know, among companies more and more now. You OK, your your retirement. Remember, you were talking about, hey, work there 30 years and get a pension. No There's right. no defined benefit pensions, or right. not not nearly as many. Your company it's on offering, you with your 401k. We yeah, don't we we'll, we'll match your effort. Look, your co- look, you got companies that we got a 401k program, but we ain't gonna match it. You have that? See, look, we just and- we just offering it, <laughs> which means we brought in a company to sell it to you, but we ain't look, we gonna take it out your check, but we not putting nothing to it. And that's okay. Just just like a regular relationship, you know. That when people say I'm a ma- I'm gonna match your energy. I'm matching energy. Right. The market is matching energy, right? The work the, the labor market matches energy the I think one um, of the key in- things companies got to do in terms of income inequality too is um stop throwing stop 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 substituting uh res- certain certain things to get results pizza parties is not it it's, it's not well, and, the fact, yeah. and the fact that that is still a thing is kind of odd to me you know it's well like it's tokens. it can be it can be very insulting to tell somebody you guys did a great job we have record profits record okay. profits means there's more money after all of the costs have been paid right <laughs> and you say <laughs> and say what i'm gonna give you is as much pizza as you can eat and, and, then, you, know, and then you got the nerve to not even ask what pizza they like you just come what in with this? a basic cheese and a basic pepperoni and the free sodas, they come with ordering that much pizza and say, have fun and make sure you clock out while you're in the conference room eating it. It's very yeah. insulting. It's very insulting. And I think, you know, and it's and for me, it's, it's odd because I've been at, at this point, I've been at every level of business, right? Like mm-hmm. I've been... I run my own business. I help other people run businesses. I've been in the management level. I've, you know, I've been the worker, the baseline, the frontline worker. I've worked retail and all these. So, and mostly everybody there has also taken some kind of similar path to get there, right? Like they've, you know, most of the managers were employees first. Unless they sure. came from outside being a manager, but you don't just start manager. Everybody. And what's wild to me is the disconnect, but the disconnect comes from indoctrination, where it's like once you're on the manager's level, those managers' meetings are A, you need to get them to do this and do this and do this. And logic goes out the window where you like, you know, we gotta take into take into consideration some everyday factors here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And even when you push back with it, most of the time it's going to be like, well, just make it happen. Get it done. And so, like you said, it, it can be really insulting when you know all it is, all of the challenges. You know what the challenges of your workforce is going through to to, number one, maintain results in this kind of world and economy and then exceed those same expectations and then mm-hmm. reward them air quotes, reward them with something that you give to children for reading enough books in elementary school. 
Shout out to the Pizza Hut book it program. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it's like and and, and, it's, and it's 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 not even insulting. It's it, at that level, it's disrespectful, especially yeah. when you know what's going on. It's like, hey, my workers' gas prices have exceeded, and everybody, you know, if you work in if you work in most businesses in most of these corporations, April April is is here. You know, we we wind it up April. Everybody pretty much probably got their their merit. Uh, Bonuses, raises, uh, annual, all of that stuff happens right around now or has already happened this month. So you get your cost of living increase and all of that. Number one, everybody knows it's bullshit because most companies probably going to give you three to four percent. We saw inflation was tapping at eight. So we still behind. And knowing all knowing all of this Mm -hmm. and you still have the audacity and the unmitigated goal to come to me, to come to employees with trinkets is what it is. What it is. I don't even know if it can be considered a trinket. Like, you know, your your workers are gas prices are higher. Eggs are higher. Chicken is higher. Summertime coming up and it's time for the cookouts. And I just feel like there are way more tangible ways. It ain't like it may not it may not even come in the form of an actual like consistent raise. But it's got to be something more that companies got to start being creative too. Where it's like, hey, you know what? Yep. Let me um, let me get all my employees a couple of hundred dollars to go to you know go to BJ Sam's Costco to get you know yep. you no know, run these. Let me let me handle these groceries for a month for their household. Yeah. So know, one of the one of the I thought coolest things that I heard. I I was talking to a a. a uh, uh, a lady who was a financial advisor and she had a multi-generational practice. So she was, you know, she brought in some younger people to be um, to, to be her junior advisors. When she brought those uh, people in, she said, man, it's interesting trying to incentivize young people. Um, they didn't like it. You know, she tried to reward one with a parking space and the person didn't have a car. And so she said, oh, okay, well, you know, it, it requires a level of attention to really get an incentive lined up with what a person actually is going to appreciate. And so that's the thing that I think, uh, you know, some companies have to sort of get with is recognizing, okay, we appreciate this person's unique flavor and what they bring to the team for all of the productive engagements that we have. But how do I reward them in their currency, right? How do I speak their, their language? Because it could be a monetary raise, then again, it might not be. So with this particular advisor, she had given one of her uh, one of her top new employees tickets to the Harry Potter experience. And she said, I never expected her to love these tickets to the Harry Potter experience as much as she did. She talks about the fact that I gave her tickets. This is when that uh, thing was first coming out in Orlando, the the Universal Harry Potter land, which it was really difficult to get in at that point, right? Mm -hmm. And so she really appreciated it, talks about it, works even harder, but it was imaginative and it was thoughtful. So in the absence of all of these norms that make it where you have to stay at a place or you just feel just appreciated just to be there, you have to work a little bit harder to show people that you appreciate what they what they bring to the table. And that means you've got to know them to a certain degree, which Mm -hmm. could be a little bit harder within this environment where we have, you know, Zoom and people working remotely and all the rest of that makes it a little bit harder for you to, you know, necessarily just get in and know a person. And so there's challenges to it. Even even being hard, I think it just has to take a a level of uh, of effort, you know? Oh, it does. The other one that I saw that was really cool, another company said, okay, what we're going to do is pay your student loans. Oh, yeah. Listen. See? You see that? Like, something like that is like, okay. That's a trigger word for a lot of America. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Hey, let me me figure it out. 
student loan is not just necessarily the money associated with it. It's the stress that somebody feels by knowing that I still have mm-hmm. ongoing expenses related to my education. A company that says, okay, I'm going to pay your student loans for you, which, you know, they could get 10 years up out you for that. Why? Because you're sitting up there and all they're doing a thing for me outside of the regular things that are typically done at a company mm-hmm. for the work that I provide. That makes me want to go above like, and beyond you know and do my job better because they're doing their job better. I want to quit, but they're paying them student loans. Just taking just taking the burden of a single bill, you know, is does wonders for people. Cause this is this is a conversation. This is why this is why pretty women date ugly men. <laughs> <laughs> The Sugarlands, man. But listen, I had this. I had this conversation with one of my homeboys the other day. I was like, we went through a period with COVID where the entire world stopped, bro. And the only thing, listen, the only thing that did not stop were bills. Nobody's bills actually stopped. No, they did. I live in this. I live in the state of New York. New York and I think California and a few states passed the moratoriums for rent and things of that nature to where people couldn't be evicted for non-payment. But cell phone bills were still due every month. Card notes were still due every month. Insurance bill was still due every month. Light bill was still due every month. Water bill was still due every month. Mortgage was still due every month. None of the bills ever stopped and everyone was in agreement that the whole world stopped. Yeah, but see, here's the deal. None of those bills ever stopped. And even for the forgiveness that they've given people to a certain degree, guess what? Even if they wouldn't come and cut your power off or throw you out of your place, you still owe the money. Mm-hmm. So the financial damage still exists. Mm-hmm. And it exists for a lot of people in a, in a stressful way. I remember when my debt was bad before I started uh, my PhD. And I used to think about it all the time. It's taxing. Right. And so when somebody when a company can take something off of a person, I don't have to worry about student loans anymore. Now they have created. Yeah, they've 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 now created a a a bond there. Right. Because outside of me just exchanging my labor for this amount of money. Now there are psychic benefits that you have where you can attach that money to something unpleasant that you would otherwise have to deal with, mm-hmm. which increases the value of that particular contribution. Because it's not just the fact it's, that it's the money. It's I ain't got to worry about it. Because now the, the company is anymore. actually helping you. And, uh, you yes. know, and honestly, like, work, work, work is transactional. I do something for the company. The company pays me. But now it's I do something for the company. The company pays me and the company helps me. You know, it's it's like back in the day when the company used to give all the employees a ham and a little check during the holidays, you know, right for Thanksgiving or something. And that was the company looking out for everybody. You know, that that was sufficient maybe for folks back then. I'll get my get my get my holiday bonus, which means I can go buy some gifts for my family. And they also supplied the the meal the- part, the biggest part of the meal, you know, for the holidays. So now, you know, I got a ham yeah. or a turkey to feed my family. They've gone. Yeah. They've they've essentially gone above and beyond, and that's I think that you know in terms of cost cutting and improving the bottom line, things like that kind of get cut away. But that's that's what retains it, people. It feels thoughtful, like yeah. you know what flowers as a as a just because gift can seem thoughtful. With one caveat: Does she like flowers? You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. If she doesn't like flowers, right. then flowers feel like a trite thing that men do when they're in trouble to get out of trouble it, with a person. I'll throw some flowers right. at it. Especially, right? especially like, okay, the company bought everybody flowers, but half of the company don't like flowers. There you go. That means you didn't and think so, about it. You didn't put any thought into it. Right. And you got a whole human resources department there and you have managers for each of these individuals who on some level probably should be talking with them about what it is that they like and appreciate and know them well enough. You don't necessarily have to know a person very well to know things they appreciate and be like, hey, we thought 
we thought in, in, in line with your performance, you did great. I see you like Alan Edmonds shoes. Here's an Alan Edmonds gift certificate for, you know, for shoes mm-hmm. and an Alan Edmonds experience with a personal fitter type. You know what I mean? Yeah. That type of thing. We, now talk, you we talk about sing- it with, you know, communication and relationships where it's like, okay, yeah, I've actually talked to you. I know you, I know you, I know you beyond your results. Because you got right. companies like, okay, I know who the top sales reps are because they at the top of the list and they always get to meet the top people. But I don't know nobody down at the bottom who ain't really producing like that. And maybe they're not producing because I don't know nothing about them. I haven't connected with them. Money may not be their motivator. They may not get motivated by it because, like you said, they got something else that's hindering them from being motivated. And now I need to communicate, find it out. It's like, oh. Well, you know what? This person has been stressed because of student loans this entire time. I thought I paid them good, but you know what? Let's do something else. Yeah, and I and I and I feel like that type of thing, where a person feels thought about, deepens and and you know, in, in some cases creates. If there was no relationship there, um, it, it you know it makes it people easier for people to relate to and and with one another. And in this day and age where data is plentiful, companies are buying data to make all sorts of different decisions. Like you need to have some data from whatever sources on what it is that your people like and feel appreciated when they get it. I don't care if it's a question in the interest interview. Hey, what's a gift that you've been given that you just thought, my God, that was great. Mm-hmm. Or if a gift could be given to you, you would think that type of thing. Take interest in them on a human level and it will make you more properly incentivize them. Now, since companies have recognized or seem to be recognizing more how important it is to have workers and to have a diversity of workers, in terms of um, all these other ranges and elements, what it, what that does then is gives them then the infrastructure where you start to put these things in place where you can find out about people. Now that gives them the the opportunity to be on top of all of these things, make sure you're paying people in accordance with their value and fairly regardless of background, which is something that should be table stakes no matter what. But you now you now you're doing it far more intentionally. And so for for my part, I would say that's what business can do. And in many cases, that's what business is doing. It tends to trickle from the larger companies, you know, down to some of the smaller companies in terms of understanding diversity and all the rest of that. But when we start to look at what happens in terms of rewarding people, smaller companies and, and you know, mom and pop shops they tend to really know the people because they have fewer employees. Mm-hmm. They have, you know, a certain thing that they're, they're doing some level of specialization. And so they can, you know, they can, you know, probably more effectively incentivize those people to stay. And they also have that decision that they can make to hire people who are different from them. Mm-hmm. So they might have entrees into different markets. They might be in a position where they get, you know, better looking, um, better looking uh, advertisements, a better marketing campaign. Uh, In in the financial services arena, we have an issue of the workforce graying, right? So we have a lot of uh, the average age of a financial planner is around 55. And we have a lot of young people, obviously, that are going to be needing those those skills. And so when you, you know, you when you diversify your company, in terms of the advisors that you have out there, now you're bringing in different revenue streams, revenue streams from people who might not be in retirement because those 55-year-old advisors are, uh, tend to be advising people who are in that range or getting ready yeah. to retire. Now, now you have people who are building up money when you bring in a younger person who's going to connect with those individuals. And then, so the and company also speaks does to the point of people who don't under, like, because, like you said, majority of them are over 55, the younger population won't even see it as an actual need because it's like, okay, well, I don't need to talk to this man until I'm, you know, close to that age. You know, like I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't see a need for it because I'm, I'm, I may feel like I'm too young for that. Yeah. And a lot of the, a lot of the older advisors are making good money 
and they feel fine. So we have to talk about how the business is, is value more. The impact obviously can be higher. You can fulfill the promise to your clients a little bit more if they have a multi-generational space so that the next generation that's receiving funds in the form of inheritance now have the same infrastructure there to help them manage it that made you successful. Like all of these elements are things that we tend to stress in that environment so that people can understand, oh, there's a lot here for me as a business person. And then for the people who are on the other side, considering uh, moving into this particular line of work in financial services, now they can see, well, there's companies that are out there that can that will appreciate what it is that you bring to the table, right? And so now you have another opportunity for people to come together with needs that match one another. And that uh, that's the that's the thing that's going that is happening. Um, I think technology is pushing us towards some of these things where it's going to be more difficult to rationalize giving one person um, a different amount of money for their efforts, especially when they fall on the lines of race and, and gender. Even if they never make a federal law, the market does what the market does. That's, and it's, that's you know, people point. are going to go, yeah, you know, people got to keep going around the government Because I, um, I just recently watched... Uh, it's a documentary reenactment series uh, called Titans, uh, The Rise of Wall Street, where it literally chronicles how Wall Street got started from J.P. Morgan, uh, Morgan Stanley, all of those companies and all of those people from way, way, way back. And it was like, you know, the SEC was created, the Securities and Exchange Commission was created, and they, you know, people were put in place because... The government saw that I want to say Rockefeller. It might have been Rockefeller. Like when the Great Depression had happened, like I mm -hmm. think Rockefeller had enough money to give the government to save us, to save the whole entire country. And he was like, nah, <laughs> like he had more money than the government. And and he was doing he would. And I think what it was, it was the um, it was when Morgan Stanley. I think Morgan Stanley was trying to buy up uh he was little by little buying up the uh the railroads cuz back then all of the railroads were you know individual like regional or whatever so he was buying them up and trying to create this conglomerate railroad and mm -hmm. I think it was I think it was uh JP JP Morgan owned, was buying them up and then Morgan Stanley uh the dude from Morgan Stanley uh one of them one of the Two rich old white dudes had plenty of money. One of them was buying a buying up all of the railroads, and the other dude was trying to stop him. And basically, long story short, I want to say J.P. Morgan went out and spent like the other dude had spent like a hundred million over a course of a couple of couple of weeks to buy up shares slowly but surely to gain controlling interest of the of the company. Old buddy found out. And on one day, he spent a hundred million in one day to stop him from taking him out covertly. And once that move was figured out, the government was like, "Hey, we need to kind of like watchdog this activity sure. that y'all doing right now." So it's yeah. like, like you said, long story short, to 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 make your point is, unless there's some kind of oversight, it yeah. literally relies on this. Uh, this moral principle of companies, but we know the pure definition of a business is, you know, to make money. It's for profit. That's, that's yeah. why they're doing it. Um, but I think one of the, one of the, one of the sad things and a possible downfall is when cuts are, it's kind of like looking at America and how we've consistently put more money into the military and also consistently decrease the budget for education. And it's like, well, why would you, why would you, why would you want your population? I mean, that's a whole nother thing. Yeah, but, no. you know, for a company to gradually, you know, depreciate the value of their own employees, not physically, but just tangibly like removing and cutting back of benefits and things of the nature where, you know, you mm -hmm. un like inflation has never gone down. Cost of living has never gone down. So why do you not keep pace or better for your for your for your employees? Why do you consistently and, and, and cut the back? answer is 
until this point, the market has rewarded them for doing so. And that's the deal is that they are going to steer into the direction that financially rewards them. And I think that's what was groundbreaking about the McKinsey study, because when people think about diversity, they think about it as a feel good. Like, oh, why are you? We want everybody here. It's Captain Planet, yeah. United Colors, the Benetton. Right, I was just about to say, United exactly. Colors, right. the the Coke commercial, everybody holding right. hands, and, and we right. all, it we feels, all, it feels good. Right, but the fact is, for things to work in business, they have to actually be and be sustainable. They have to have a, a an ability to generate revenue and, and do so in a profitable manner. And that's the thing that companies are recognizing about diversity and they're studying and they've been studied, they've done the study a couple of times and updated it. And they the um, results actually um, seem to be getting stronger in terms of the statistical uh, link between these diversity efforts and performance. And so when companies recognize, and they're starting to, that, okay, there's money in it, then they do more of it. And so those are things that are likely to be advantageous to people who are talented, but in these marginalized uh, positions, whether they're women or minorities or all of these things, this gives them this gives them new opportunity because now their value is being recognized on multiple dimensions. Not only can they just do the, do the work, but by virtue of who they are and the differences they have, they bring something different to the table that is valuable to us. And so as people start to recognize the different types of value that uh, that can come from different groups or putting these folks together to make improved decisions, boom, now you're in a place where you have, you know, for, for people who are adequately qualified, now you have an opportunity to express your value. Now you have people examining the numbers now. Now you have people doing uh, compensation studies uh, far more frequently so that they can make sure that they're paying people fairly within the company and then fairly across companies to make sure that they have, an, you know, the, the necessary edge in the competitive labor market landscape, right? And so all of these things can line up even without government intervention to make these things happen. I think a lot of times as Black folks, we have been historically so marginalized and and, and um, so universally so within this country where, oh, okay, well, it is commonplace to not give Black people opportunities in line with their skill sets, mm-hmm. right? Now you have people recognizing the value in it Right. And they're making market based decisions to diversify their workforces, to create opportunities for people who they typically would have excluded in the past. Now they recognize the value that they bring and they're starting to say, "Okay, we need to be more open. In fact, some are saying we have targets in terms of diversification. We want to have 50% women. We want to have, you know, 30% minority participation. These types of things um, that, that are making it so that business can be done at a more at a more profitable clip. But it's got to be sustainable. That's, that's, that's why we got that. That's why those three letters are, are so important and trendy now. D, E, and I. Diversity, equity, and inclusion. And we just yeah. talked about on the, the include you know, inclusion instincts, where it's, you know, um, some people feel like, you know, things should represent uh, the population. So, you know, if your company is dealing with your customer base, that is 80% African-American, then 80% of your workforce should be African-American. But then some people might not think that that's fair. So it needs to be a 50-50. And so you get into these, you know, these, you know, you can't please everybody. I always say you put, you put, you know, you put people in a room, turn the air conditioner on, somebody gonna want the heat on and you'll never find one single temperature that everybody will agree on. You, you, you just won't. Um, Yeah. But also a little bit on the devil's advocate side is like, okay, you know, now we bring everybody, everybody that's in the same position, everybody get paid the same. Now it's now as a business, you think, okay, am I forfeiting productivity? Because now the people that who are naturally high performers, are they going to slack? Because, you know, no matter what they do, they're going to get, they're going to get the same as somebody who is just, you know, 
doing bare minimum. Yeah. I'm just here right. so I don't get fired. And now, but then you get, you right. know, that's when you bring in incentive bonuses and things of that nature. But like you said, it also comes back to the, you know, knowing people like what is going to motivate you. Um, you know, if you, even if you are, a, you know, a naturally high performer in your, in your work, don't nobody want to be doing this shit for free. You know? No. And, and that's the thing is that, you know, Yes, you've got to you've got to reward people from the business side. Yes, you need to be data driven so that you can be fair, right? All of those elements are there, but still, just like with anything else, complications will arise, right? There, there is going to be, you know, there's, there's going to be issues no matter what. One person may um, perceive things differently um, than another, but that's why it's important to have. And, and actual read on the productivity metrics too. I'm not saying you just seed all of that and just say, oh, okay, well, we're, <laughs> we're building companies simply based on the Everybody the making $75,000 right. a year across right. the No, board. no, no. <laughs> no, it's about, it's about being mindful of inequities that exist on a macro level at the on the nation side and then making sure that you as a company aren't exacerbating that by empowering people with too much um, leeway to give people the opportunity to pay people more based on how much they like them or how comfortable they feel with them right because i heard um an hr representative that i was on a panel with her and she's really she's really good but she was talking about how uh golf events when you have those for work right where everybody's supposedly uh able to come in and you know enjoy themselves and you know these are supposed to build camaraderie don't do the same thing for everybody involved, right? Mm -hmm. If you are a person who plays golf, who is close to that culture, maybe who grew up around that, you might feel appreciated or something like that. That might make you actually feel included. Mm -hmm. If you are a person who has no experience with golf and you feel like, you know, this has nothing to do with you at all. Exactly. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and for a lot of people, we're talking about a sport that is not super popular on a, again, macro level. It's like, well, why are you doing these things? You're doing but them because they're comfortable also, to you and your group. Also, on the flip side of that is also not assuming, you know, that it ain't. Oh, yeah, yeah. Also, I'm not saying Because you know, it's I'm like saying, the company that's like, hey, I got these tickets to the, to the soccer match. I know you don't want to go. Well, do you really know if I don't want to go? I'm the person that back when I worked for a company that, you know, they would give out tickets to big events and stuff because they had, I wanted to go to all of them just because I'm a person that's like, I want to go experience things. Sure. And it's definitely, too. I definitely want to go experience things that I just, you know, that I know that I'm not going to have access to often. Like I went to, I went to the PGA championship. I played golf since, you know, since I was in middle school. And I played, you know, I played in high school. So I, I love the game of golf. But PGA events don't happen every weekend down the street. You know what I'm saying? You know, right. every like to go to the Masters is literally for some people like a once in a lifetime deal. And for some people, they go every motherfucking year. So mm-hmm. but, you know, just assuming that people uh, don't want yeah. or you don't yeah. want to be a part, you know, but it, it, it's, it's right not an assumption. Made of, it, communication of just knowing yeah. your employees. Right. And I think that's the point is that just the assumption that everybody's going to be comfortable with golf because that's right. a thing that you and maybe some of your closest friends at the company like, but you recognize, well, we've never, there've never been any of the other women who work and do what we do that have gone on any of the other golf outings that we had. It's you and your, you know, right. it's your foursome and y'all comfortable with it. And it's you extend that to everybody. Exactly. And I think that was the, that, that was her point is that, you know, there are certain things that you that you can do that don't it, it, it don't yeah. include everybody. And once again, always, always like having a team about, building activities at Hooters after work. And it's like now, you right. know, the women right. don't feel comfortable coming. Because yeah. y'all want to go because the boys club wants to go to Hooters for the team building. Right. And it's like, well, and, you're like and it's and never, you're like, it's never anywhere different. Nobody's ever asked to poll the group. Hey, you know, y'all want to switch it up. Where does everybody feel like we should go? It's, it's always, 
this is what we're going to do. And right, it's exactly. exclusion by proxy where there's going to be a segment of people who are naturally just left out because they've never, they were never considered in the first place. I mean, you think about it. What if you worked at a place and there was a, a restaurant that men would walk around in biker shorts? <laughs> well endowed men in biker shorts is your waiters. And the lady, you see what I'm saying? It's and like, then, hey, if I'm a, a work, right? working at a, a, full, a, a majority woman company, they're like, you know what we're going to have? Our our team building, we're going to Chippendales every Tuesday. Right. It's like, well, you know right. what? I'm going to just eat at my desk. I'll catch y'all later. Right. <laughs> But yeah, that's one of those that's one of those things that I kind of wish would happen in a lot of society, just because I'm one of those firm oh. believers, like if we had more women in positions of power, I think things would go a little bit smoother. And I'm just being honest. I just know uh, I want I want I want the black woman on a black woman sketch show to do that skit. That oh, would be man. hilarious. <laughs> oh man, I love that show. Do do to them do do the do the men what what they do to us when it comes but I think I think a lot of I think a lot of people oh we go I think a lot of people in management and things they don't they don't they don't get that part though but that's where that diversity and comes they're like in. it's the corporate they're like it's the corporate culture no it's not the corporate no it's culture. not corporate culture it, it, it's you being comfortable with you being a man or you being a white person or you being a white man or a white woman or a black man or a black woman and you doing the things that might be comfortable to that insular group and the people that you're used to relating to on a daily basis mm -hmm. but there's no resemblance to what's going to really pique the interest of the folks who work with you because you haven't taken the time to figure out what makes them tick and what it is that everybody, for their reason, is going to enjoy doing. Golf, maybe not. Top golf, maybe. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like that type of deal where it's like, oh, we're all together drinking the camaraderie. Now it's Where's a big the, group. Where? We're all having fun and selfies. But let now, me tell you, you know what I mean? Appetizers. Let me tell you that something. Type of thing, maybe. If you ain't, you know? if you if you ain't never, if you have never, Doc, and anybody else listening, if you get a chance to, if you remotely like the game of golf at all, go to a PGA event. Oh, I've been to one, and I oh, and I'll admit the, the scale, the scale of it, and the skill of those folks. That I mean, those pros, it is amazing to watch. I ain't Don't even talking, Doc. I ain't even talking about the no. game. I ain't talking about, talking the, about game. Just the environment in I'm general. Man, Doc, I have never seen an entire city built and dismantled within like a week. Cause they uh so the PGA championship I went to was at Beth Page. Beth Page is 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 not far from me. Um mm -hmm. they played Beth Page Black, which is one of the hardest courses to play in America. But you know, anybody that's ever been to a golf course, there's nothing on a golf course. There's the main clubhouse, there's probably a maintenance shed, a maintenance warehouse, garage somewhere uh off to the side, and then it's nothing but landscape. Yeah. The PGA comes in and built like 50 clubhouses, an entire PGA store, ticket mm -hmm. booths, uh, full all like, modular, all yeah. modular, like 50, 50 restrooms, camera stands on every hole. It's it when I say it's impressive, it's like impressive. when I like I and I've been I've been to you know major con I've been to Essence Fest you know major concerts and stuff like that, and to see what they do across eighteen holes, which is acres of land, and build yeah. entire man, I was like. I was in. I was, no, it really I, is. I was. It in, really is amazing. And look, and it was levels to it, Doc. It was levels because I had clubhouse tickets, but there was an entirely different clubhouse that was even more exclusive than what I went into. That was off to the other side, and then the individual clubhouses that all of the companies that the you know Cadillac and whoever the title uh, pro. Uh, uh, Pro V1, Titleist, all of the major companies and the sponsors, the vendors, they got their own boxes, clubhouse. Man. They boxes, yeah. but they bo doc, they boxes was, you know, yeah. 3,000 square feet with four private bathrooms in it and a deck overlooking the 18th green and with, with, and with a no. with an automatic beer machine, seven, seven restaurants, a bar as long as your eye could see 
a, a, a miniature putt putt golf in the corner and all of this is it. And I'm like, I'm inside of a trailer right now. Yeah. I want to say actually, you're inside of 100 trailers put together. Like how did y'all, yeah. how did y'all do this? And then the, the most amazing part for me, because I, like I said, I, I grew up playing golf when they left all of the grass was immaculate. Like nothing had, you could not tell that something happened the day before. I was yeah. like, I was mind blown. So when I was at Morehouse, we did a whole, like we we were part of the work team for the PGA Tour. I think they made a, a, a gift to the Morehouse track team or something mm-hmm. like that. Coach Hill had us all out there. And it, it really was like that. I mean, there was nothing out there. And then next thing you know, there's bleachers, there's all these clubhouses, food everywhere. It really it really was amazing. And I think it, that right there, just to go bring it, all, I guess, all back to what we were talking about, can show – like the scale of things the business can do mm-hmm. when they feel properly incentivized to do those things. You look at us, all the other sports, their stadiums built somewhere else. The PGA Tour brings their stadium with them. That is pretty, you know what I'm saying? It scatters it over. Half course will travel. Right. That's pretty impressive, right? And, and to that end, the level of flexibility that they have built their entire system with gives them the ability to suit what they're doing to any course that they're going to, right? So they can now suit their offerings to the course that, they, that they're going to without damaging the whole place. That's what business can do when it's really trying to address the issues of income inequality, is use that same level of flexibility that allows you to be nimble when you're thinking about the next market to enter into, the event to throw, the thing to do, and then think about your people as important elements of what it is that you're doing. Having the right people there, having the right amount of diversity, paying people the right way, and then offering the type of environment that people can thrive in. All of those things are possible if you're not sticking to things based on this static corporate culture mindset and recognize that culture is something that flows and grows and evolves and your ability to grow and flow and evolve with it is likely to increase and decrease your uh your odds of success as a business and when you do that and and you do it in a demonstrable way you're going to have other companies that try to do it too because again you're operating in a in an environment of competition and now you have more people being paid um, with closer proximity to what it is that they're actually bringing to the table, including the differences that make them more valuable as they move along. So those things are things that I think, you know, to put a bow on it, since I, you know, I know I don't want to talk too long for this, this new format. It's about individuals who are engaged in the marketplace, recognizing their value and being able to uh, to move when it's when it's not right and be flexible in terms of what it is they're going to uh, give and do. And then the companies to be able to be nimble and flexible, too. And with the technology and information around us, we have all of the opportunities to do both things from both parts. And I think it can push us to a better place if we're all attentive and, uh, to what makes us better, man. And that's exactly what the hell we do right here at the Bridger Podcast. <laughs> that's exactly what the hell we do right here at the Bridger Podcast. Yeah, we yeah. have. Um, I'm, I'm like, I, I, that's all I wanted to do. I just wanted to have a conversation about it, and that's exactly what we did. Um, you know, look it's, at that. It's it, it look. It still it still flows the way it flows, but there we, you we, go. We, yeah, it still flows the way it flows. It never happens. Look, this culture here is is growing and thriving. All mm-hmm. I'm doing, look, I'm gonna be honest with y'all. All I'm doing is just finding more ways to to get both of them to talk more, just because I like hearing <laughs> them talk, especially about this stuff. Because the way that the way that they're able to just take a topic and relate it make it relatable it's just oh man i love it and it's what they get paid to do so i get them to do it for free so i'm you know i'm, I'm really out here hustling for y'all man I'm hustling, <laughs> I'm hustling for the culture man i'm getting i'm getting i'm getting dr love and the dj to come out here and speak for free and they get paid to do it daily so um yeah i think that i think that's gonna be it for just a slice right there just because um i i think i think you did a great job of 
you know, just taking that topic and just letting it run. We let it, we let it, well, we let it run. I, I was gonna say it was a good thick slice, bro. We did hey, that, like <laughs> Texas toast. We just for the first for the first shot, we gave you we gave y'all a piece of Texas toast. So go ahead, you put some cheese on that, and you know what I'm saying you only need the other piece for a grilled cheese sandwich. Just cheese on that. That's a sandwich by itself, single slice. Um, so y'all make sure y'all listen to uh all renditions of the Bridger podcast that we're trying to bring y'all. Which you know, like Doc said, we 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 got this culture over here. We're trying to make this environment for any and everybody to come. Bridgerin the regular episodes may not be for you. The cocktail combos may be for you. They may not be for you. Maybe just the slices. What it's gonna be for you? We don't know, but we're gonna add more to it. And y'all tell us what you want. That's what we here for. But that's gonna do it for us. This. Uh, follow us on all our social media at Bredren Pod. That's B R E A D R E N, spelled like bread because we always talk about bread and we always get into it. Income inequality and how business can address it is just one more example of how we're doing it. Um, so we love y'all. We appreciate y'all. And tell somebody to tell somebody to get themselves a slice of bread. Peace. <laughs>